or the other Batman. Who else drives you to one-up them the way that I do? Bane. No, he doesn't. Superman. Superman's not a bad guy. Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. What? I like to fight around. Hello and welcome to Lapsed Gamer Radio, the community podcast about video games which aims to bring the lapsed and active gamers together in an effort to keep the hobby alive for us all. I'm your host Stuart Neal and today we'll be talking about what we've been playing recently and any new stories of note. Joining me today are Mark Hamer and Kevin Moore. Ohio gozaimasu. Hello. Just to start off the show, we are kind of celebrating a little bit of an anniversary. Um, this Yay! this is officially the fiftieth episode since our relaunch last year, and it's just over a year since that relaunch actually happened. Mm. Um, I think we're well over fifty episodes. What with our little extra episode madness that went on last year, <laughs> as well as the game of the year episodes, yeah, um, as well. But fifty is—it's not a bad number. That's. Mm. Not bad going. It's a long way short of other podcasts like Last Day of Loaded and uh, some of the other ones and what have you, but that's not too bad at all. Yeah, well, we've got a calendar year under our belt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we've not split up yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think bar maybe one week and maybe a little bit of time off over Christmas, I think we hit um, our recording being released at least once a week then um, throughout yeah. that whole year, which is... Fairly impressive going. Sometimes multiple times a week. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, sometimes three in a week. (laughs) Uh, As well as having the three-hour-long Sonic episode. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Torture. (coughs) You didn't edit it. (laughs) No, no. There was a reason. (laughs) Yeah. I still felt like I had to listen to it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and yeah, like you, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did not edit it because I would have ruined that show deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would have just been the opening theme, and then me saying "fuck Sonic," and then the closing theme. <laughs> I'd listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Most played episode. <laughs> So earlier today, we tweeted out asking if any of our listeners had any questions. Um, we had one reply to this one, and it was our good friend Howard um, at Welsh Benno on Twitter asking, what was the first system you guys owned, and what's your favourite system of all time? Kev, what have you got? Well, mine was a Philips Video Pack G7000, which <laughs> is what it was called over here. Um, it was actually a Magnavox Odyssey 2 in the rest of the world. It ran on valves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had a little mouse as well that just kept it powered. Uh, yeah, it was just a cartridge-based uh, machine from 1970... I think it was 78-ish. I think we got ours in 79 uh, from the local curries. And I was an absolute demon at a game called Pickaxe Pete which nobody will ever have heard of and nobody will ever see again. Well, what about your favourite system then, Kev? Ah, the trusty old GameCube, which is still... Yeah. Yeah. Still got it set up and it still runs like a dream and my God, mm. I could have finished a game by the time the PS4 starts something these days. <laughs> it's still my favourite um, controller. 
Yes. Out of any Brilliant. controller I've ever had, the GameCube controller, mm. I love it. It's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the Switch is going to be the same. It's not going to have a big red green A button though. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. So comforting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what about yourself, Mark? First system. Uh, the first system was uh, PC. Bef- before I got a console, before I even before I got a SNES or anything like that, used to play games on um, MS DOS. Did for for a good while, uh, even after I got a, a, a started getting into console gaming. Um, the good old days of playing Legends of Valor and Bullfrog's Magic Carpet and um, Commander Keen, uh, the games that uh, id made before they made Doom. Mm. Yeah, PC Master Race, first of all, before I moved on to consoles. Um, as for my favourite console, that's kind of a tough one. I think we've done a similar question before, and I said that if... I was going to be stranded on a desert island and I could only have one console and its entire back catalogue. It would probably be the PS2. Yeah, I mean, there's other consoles that I've got probably more as a, more of a soft spot for, but like I just got more fun gaming memories on the PS2 because I just I played the shit out of that console for the best part of a decade yeah. uh, before I moved on to something else. Um, yeah, I, I love that little black box. Yeah, yeah that's a good that's shout. Fair enough. But yeah. you'd need a Magnavox Odyssey too, really, because they run on mice. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as for myself, um, first system owned would have been, well, part owned would have been a Spectrum 48K um, that my dad had. And the R's that we used to put into, well, firstly watching the games load and <laughs> then actually playing them. <laughs> the suspense was killing you. <laughs> oh no! It was yeah. It was just whenever the uh, it was going through the loading sequence and got the very nearly the end, and you just got a black screen. You just went, <laughs> <laughs> but I had so much fun with that. Um, I was actually just recalling just whenever I was thinking about it and what have you. Um, we used to put just little scraps of paper with our names and our you know how far we actually got in the game or our high scores or whatever, and just stuck it in um, under the front cover. Um, just so that the next time anybody went back to it, they had sort of a goal um, to see how far they could get out. They used to do something similar in Sinclair User, didn't they? You could post in your uh, game scores. You could do, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sinclair User or your Sinclair, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that takes me back. Yeah, they almost had, they had like a leaderboard on some of the games and things <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was them thinking of, if you're talking about my first system, um, it was maybe a Game & Watch, although I can't remember specifically having one, but one that I definitely recall was an old uh, Tomitronic 3D Sky Fighters game, um, which was basically a stereoscopic um, game of sort of planes doing round in figure of eights and things and trying to shoot them down. Um, it had stereo sound and everything, and it was probably one of the best things I ever had. And <laughs> just re- remembering that and trying to find a picture of it, you can actually get them on eBay um, for in around £30. Um, going up to nearly what sixty or seventy, um, possibly more, depending on sort of the um how good condition and what have you it is. Um, as for my favourite system, I would have to actually say the Mega Drive, partly because it was would have been the first console that both myself and my brother um shared between us, and I just remember getting that on a Christmas day and just having so much fun with it. Even if it wasn't playing Sonic, um, but all the other classic games, Gunstar Heroes, Biohazard Battle, um, even some of the ridiculously hard ones like eSWAT yeah. and the 
terrible ones like Altered Beast, um, which for whatever reason <laughs> still is held in high regard, but it is a terrible game. Mm. Um, and then sort of, you know, going up to uh, things like Super Street Fighter 2, the new challengers, and getting up to like the, you know, properly um, expensive cartridges and things. And uh, sort of looking at the prices these days and people complaining about them. Those were expensive back in those days. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Were trying to buy them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even import games like um, sort of any of the final or Fantasy Star games and what have you um, were, were just ridiculously priced in some of the local game stores. And that was back in the day whenever you still had independent game stores as well. Um, which were a joy um, every time you went into the one because you'd find things that you just wouldn't have seen anywhere else. Mm. Um, so I really sort of miss some of those days. Well, you used to find them in corner of your local video store sometimes, you know, your mum and yeah. pop store. Yeah, we had a, a video store just down the street from us. And yeah, they um, sort of did Mega Drive ones, SNES, and worked up into the N64 and what have you. I think they closed down not long after the PlayStation 1 came out. Possibly because I remember them definitely selling some of their PlayStation 1 stock of games and their N64. Um, I got a, I think the gold cartridge for Majora's Mask. Um, it's probably kicking around somewhere. Unfortunately, not boxed or anything like that, but it is just the cartridge. Mm. Um, so that's knocking around somewhere. You mentioning um, Game & Watch. Uh, I n- never had one of those. To be honest, I, I wasn't really aware of their existence until later in life. But um, do you remember the Tiger handheld um, vaguely yes they did like um, there was a bunch of them were like um, you know they were like like the game and watch one single game ones but there were loads of like licensed ones there was like uh, a Batman one um, when the first Batman film came out and Jurassic mm-hmm. Park and the Lion King and Aladdin and yes. stuff like that uh, I had a few of those um, and I thought they were fucking great when I was a kid I'm just looking through <laughs> them now and I was like, oh Jesus horrible little plasticky things yeah. I just thought that actually brings to mind things like barcode battlers and um, all of those sort of other little consoles and what have you that came around um, in around mm. sort of what early 90s and thereabouts yeah what, during the, like, the, the first console boom yeah yeah um, particularly then with the Game Boy coming out I think a lot of them came sort of just after that and yeah. tried, tried to emulate its success but obviously didn't have the software um, catalog and what have you behind it although mm. I do really miss my little uh, Neo Geo pocket colour um, I had a very limited amount of games on it but it was such a lovely little handheld uh, to sit and play with a lovely little clicky um, joystick that reminded me very much of the the old Kempston days on the Spectrum uh, with the actual micro switches and everything built into them It was a smart looking system as well for the, for the time at least it was, yeah. Yeah. A little bit blocky and it could have been a little bit rounder yeah, on some of the edges and what have you, but um, Game still Gear a nice little system. Was pretty ugly in comparison, I thought. Plus mm. battery lasted about ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you say a little bit blocky, but don't forget we're still in the time where you got the Xbox One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we also asked one question of our listeners, which was what are the best two-player co-op games to play with a significant other? We had a couple of replies here. Uh, before you get ahead of yourselves, uh, <laughs> yes, um, at Haunted Crime on uh, Twitter said, Lego Dimensions and Overcooked. Yep. Um, Howard at Welsh Benno said, depending on how much of a sense of humour the other half has, how about genital joisting, um, which is a reasonably <laughs> new game on Steam and is as daft as it sounds. Um <laughs> It's actually on sale this week as well, down 50%. 
Um, in all seriousness, though, you can't go wrong with Wii Bowling if you have the old console set up. I was actually just thinking, you don't even need to have the old console set up because you can have it um, just play Wii, Wii Sports. Yeah, just play Wii Sports on the Wii U or play the new Wii U Sports Connection or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, there's bowling mm. on that as well. Adam Belcher at Bortang says, Overcooked, Broforce and Diablo 3. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our very own Andy Pity, um, at Andy Pity on Twitter, says, Take those marriage frustrations out on some beat-em-ups. Side-scrolling <laughs> ones like Golden Axe or games like Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Streets uh, of Rage. <laughs> <laughs> Streets of Rage. I'm a bit worried about Andy <laughs> and his marriage frustrations. <laughs> what about yourselves? Um, the only co-op... The only couch co-op games um, I play with, with my girlfriend is uh, we played all through the entirety of the campaign of Overcooked um, and and the uh, the both pieces of DLC um, <clears throat> two player on that um, we played a little bit of um, Borderlands two on split screen um, and we played some uh, well actually played quite a lot of uh, Diablo three on uh, couch co-op but we tend to play like couch Co-op, not couch cooperative um couch multiplayer games like um nidog um uh, towerfall ascension sports friends uh and then recently we started because I, I i found that i'd still got it installed um on my hard drive from um when it came free on ps plus ages ago uh injustice the um dc comic heroes mm. Beat em up game by um, what used to be Midway. The guys like the guys that make Mortal Kombat now um, made a DC um, comic book heroes beat em up. Yeah. Game. So we've been playing quite a lot of that recently, and that's um, that's pretty good fun. Um, it's the only time I've ever thought Aquaman is cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, but we should play a bunch of games like that. We're mainly like you know against each other to be honest, rather than uh, teaming up. But you can't you can't go wrong with Overcooked. Um, and uh, yeah, but, uh, Adam Belcher's right. Like Diablo three is fantastic. You can have up to four people playing uh, mm. on the same screen. Um, so yeah, dead good, dead good. <laughs> what about yourself, Kev? Um, right now it's a bit tricky because we tend not to cooperate that much <laughs> as, a, as a couple. It's just, yeah, just gets, we end up fighting against each other quite a lot. <laughs> Even when it's supposed to be a couch co-op, it's like, no, you're doing it wrong. No, you're doing it wrong. You're rubbish. So, um, I think as far as couch co-op concerns, we're pretty much against each other. So as we sports is perfect. And mm-hmm. then the only other thing that we've actually cooperated on 100% was um, the Punisher game on the PlayStation 2, because we're just taking <laughs> turns in mm. having a go at somebody and gently persuading them to give us some information but before we just attach piranhas to the genitals or something. I completely forgot about um, the Wii U for a second then. Sorry. Sorry, Nintendo. Um, <laughs> Super Mario 3D World and no. um, Yoshi's no. Woolly World. No. Both. No? Okay. No. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> that and uh, Yoshi's Woolly World are both great fun to play in, in co-op. But then, of course, like if you want to play against each other, um, Mario Kart and Smash Brothers are you know, playable locally and fantastic. Yeah. Yep. I think... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many controllers you can get working with one Wii U. 
Does I think know? it's four on the Smash Is it only Brothers? four? Um, um, I think it might be only four, yeah. That's a shame, because Smash Brothers has got an um, eight-player brawl. Yeah. Uh, mm. And I'd love to have, like, eight people oh, around a TV God playing God. that. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's bad enough when you've got two players on the screen. It's just like, what's going on? <laughs> eight? Oh, can't On some of the, the big stages, uh, when you've got eight-player brawl, the camera's just zoomed out all the way. Like, the first few seconds of a match is trying to find out where your character is on the screen before you can even start doing anything. <laughs> it's great. For myself, I'd probably say any of the sort of Lego games. Um yeah. Whether it be probably either Lego Batman or Lego Star Wars would be the two that probably get the most play um, in our household. Um, just they work so well with sort of drop in and drop out um, as co-op games. Um, you know, the other person doesn't necessarily need to be there and can occasionally be a little bit of a hindrance. But it does, um, I think it does scale up a little bit um, for the enemies and things like that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just good fun. Yes, you know, Lego games are Lego games, and I think mm. we had what a total running total of about sixty six at the minute, <laughs> something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Yeah, um, don't be surprised. So yes, <laughs> there are plenty of them. <laughs> right, and we shall move on then to the backlogathon. Uh, no, we should skip past this bit. Why? No, nah, nothing. okay we are definitely now you've made it interesting (laughs) so next we shall move on to our regular um backlogathon update and these are for what we've been doing to sort of try and save a little bit of money for the switch and um obviously we're trying to work through our backlogs as well so mark what have you bought (laughs) well you say saving money right so if i bought a game that was like dirt cheap Was it less than the price of a coffee? Um, depends where you buy your coffee from. Are you buying your Are you buying your coffee in Harrods in gold cups? No, no, <laughs> not no. this week. <laughs> well, it was probably cheaper than that then. <laughs> probably a little bit more than a cup of coffee. But to be honest, uh, figuring in like trading in and the fact that it was secondhand, probably only a couple of pounds more than a cup of coffee. But I will talk about that when we come to what we've been playing because I played the <laughs> shit out of it. I've actually almost <laughs> finished it already. So um, at least I'm nearly finishing it, you know. Uh, okay, yeah, that's good. Value for money. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Definitely. I definitely <laughs> got my, I think it was like, I think it worked at like £5.60 in total. Oh, nice. Taking into account oh, like, trading okay. and some stuff. So I yeah. definitely got my less than £6 out of it. Okay. <laughs> Kev, what about yourself? Well, I went... Completely the polar opposite then, because I got mine for nothing from PlayStation Plus. Well, I suppose it's not nothing, is it? Because I'm paying 40 quid a month, a month, a year for it. A month? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. I've got uh, 12 (laughs) PS4s, obviously. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I polished off um, Letter Quest Remastered on uh, the PS4, and it's a crossplay as well, because you can play it on the Vita, which makes Mm. it a damn sight easier, damn sight handier. And um, it's just a hybrid between an RPG and Battle Scrabble, I guess. Um, mm. It's a bit like Fat Princess Piece of Cake was a couple of years ago, but then it's got a proper old RPG-ness to it, you know, and you've really got to level up to complete. Um, just good fun if your brain is like a word salad all the time. <laughs> Very good. 
I have no confessions this week. Um, I haven't had a huge amount of game time, unfortunately, so I haven't merely made any progress in um, any of the games. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been sitting playing Fez mostly. Um, oh. <laughs> so while that wasn't techni- technically on my backlog because I just wasn't including Steam games because that's just silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been. You really say enjoying that. Um, you haven't got any uh, uh, confessions, but is that because at the time of recording you haven't bought the Freedom Bundle yet? <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. There is a new humble bundle called the Humble Freedom Bundle. Um, all the sort of the money, profit, and what have you is going directly to ACLU, Medicines on Frontier, and uh, another um, charity group. It is thirty dollars or about twenty five pounds. Thanks Brexit. <laughs> and there is a ridiculous amount of games in it, and there is more to be added. And I actually just noticed in the Twitter feed there that um, our very own Adam Ducker um, has recently just posted up a link to the current bundles that are going on on Bundle Stars as well, and there is a ridiculous amount of games involved in those as well for very very cheap prices and i am going to have to try very very hard um i might drop for the humble bundle just purely because it's for charity and oh. good charities as well oh uh, no um, yeah definitely yeah the fact that it, it includes the witness as well as mm. an awful lot of very very good games um mm. some of them i do own and they are fantastic but i will quite happily add any of the extra codes and what have you into the lgr giveaway mm. um which is always running and please 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 take advantage of it yes um so there's a reason why they call you saintly stew isn't there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly um so yes i might drop on that just because it is for a good cause and it is a ridiculous bundle um so yes but <laughs> i'm not going to say by the end of the recording i will have bought it because that would just be <laughs> silly but maybe tomorrow <laughs> if you do go quiet for about five minutes yeah, yeah then we, we know what we're do. doing yeah you, re- you read out the list to us before we started recording this evening and it is a ridiculous collection of games like quite a lot of them i never heard of so i can't judge you know whether they're any good or not but the ones yeah. that the, just the ones that i've uh, in that list that i have played um are worth more than 30 dollars I, mm. I reckon so yeah plus there's a bunch of uh, e- ebooks and e-comics as well did you say there is yeah. Um, yeah there's books and everything and a couple of comics and what have you thrown in as well um so yeah a very impressive bundle i think the total um cost of it would be in around 600 pounds or 600 dollars um so it so for 30 dollars is an absolute steal Next Radio. right let's move on to what we have been playing Mark, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll route through the first three quickly because I've spoken about them before and I've got another one that I want to talk about a little bit more. Um, So FIFA 17, uh, me and Adam had quite a good chat about this last week because um, we think me and Adam the only people on the team who play FIFA uh, and actually like football. Um, So (laughs) I've been playing more of, of the journey mode that we talked about last week, which is just ridiculous it's like uh, adam compared it to um oh god what was that tv show uh dream was it dream team the one on sky oh, yeah yeah he compared it to that and it's like, <laughs> i can totally see that quality. it's like somewhere in and around there or like east enders quality of acting uh, but with like ri- the ridiculous melodrama of the movie goal footballers wives uh, i've never seen footballers wives so i don't know but like <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. you the say acting that is 
terrible and it's taking itself so deadly seriously that like <laughs> you know how like when comedy is done bad it's just bad mm. but when drama mm. is done bad it's hilarious <laughs> um, it's definitely that it's like it's it's trying real hard to take itself seriously as like a proper gritty footballing story and it's just <laughs> ridiculous and i love it um so yeah i've been playing a bunch more of that uh my ongoing addiction to stardew valley continues um <laughs> I've made my way uh, to winter of the first year, so um, I'm now having to survive on um, what I can sell from. I can't really grow crops in the winter, but um, I've got four cows and four chickens, and I'm making my own cheese and making my own jams and working towards being able to to make my own uh, booze as well uh, and spending a lot more time doing the sort of like... Um, uh, the dungeon exploration things because this is like one of the great things about Stardew Valley is like not only does it combine like an Animal Crossing um, and Harvest Moon style thing, but then there's like Minecraft style um, collecting resources and crafting new tools. Um, there's like the social RPG aspect of like building up your relationship with the people in the town, but then on days when it's raining and you can't be bothered doing anything in the town, you jump into the mines and then it's like um, you're descending through levels. Each one, each level gets more and more difficult uh, and they're like procedurally generated. Um, so it's like mixing together, like sort of like all of those elements was like a uh, old school Zelda meets um, Spelunky sort of um, element with the, the mind exploring the mines. Um, yeah, I bloody love Stardew Valley. Um, <laughs> there's so much in it, and it just boggles my mind that one person made it. It's just, mm. it's insane. I've um, been playing a bunch more Steep uh, as well. Uh, still apps just loving that game. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. Um, if you're mad into like your 1080 snowboardings and your, oh my God, what's it called? SSX. SSX, uh, yeah, it's just like that. It's not. It's just. It's not like that. You can't pull off the same sort of ridiculous tricks. Like, it's it's a little bit more grounded in realism, as in you can't take your boots off the board because they're clamped in place. Uh, so you're you're limited to like flips and spins uh, mm. and things like that. Um, but like. Uh, it's still it's just managed to be really fun and it's like completely on the fly like you can snowboard down a section of the mountain pull up uh, at the edge of a cliff hold down r1 and select your wingsuit jump off the edge of the cliff and wingsuit down um and then parachute onto the ground at the bottom select your skis go for a bit of cross-country skiing um jump off another cliff do a bit of parasailing uh it's just really good fun um (laughs) I'm, I'm laughing because that. you say it's grounded in realism. That's quite a backpack. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, that <laughs> That's just cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that aspect of it is a bit dumb, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a... Um, uh, oh, yeah, I really like it. But it's, it's a big, you know, Ubisoft open world game that came mm. out silly season last year and didn't sell very well and then ended up on sale. Uh, and my final game is a big Ubisoft open world game that came out silly season last year, didn't sell very well, and is now available dirt cheap on sale or second hand if you me. Um, I've been playing Watch Dogs too. What? Oh. Uh, yeah, Kev, you played some of this, didn't you? you oh didn't yes, like it. hated it, hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you play the first one at all? 
Yes, I finished the first one, and that was dour right. as well. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, right. So you thought two was dour as well? Um, not dour, but just yeah. Ugh, these people made me want to kill them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, I get what you mean. Um, so right, played that. I played the the first uh, Watch Dogs. Uh, I went along the whole you know roller coaster. Everybody else did that original. Um, E3 trailer they showed before even the next gen consoles Ooh, have been announced yeah. and it looked incredible and then a few years later the game comes along and it's like oof this doesn't look like that trailer um, it's not <laughs> an ugly game it was just like a noticeable massive visual uh, downgrade yes um, that game had stuff in it that was really cool some of the mission structure some of the mission designs were really good some most were not but some were really cool um the the mechanic of like when you were like being chased by the police and you're like screaming through the Chicago s- streets at night, um, hacking roadblocks and suspension bridges and traffic lights and things like that to try and stop the police following you, mm-hmm. and then finally losing sight of them, pulling into an alleyway and then hiding, like turning off the engine and hiding in the car, um, stuff like that was really cool. Like the, the hacking stuff uh, in some of the missions was really good. It was just so so dour, like yeah. it's just grim from start to finish. Like, <laughs> Uh, Aiden, whatever his name is, the main character was just boring and mm. gruff and miserable and one D. Yeah. Um, whereas, like Watch Dogs Two is uh, completely different in a lot of ways. So it's set in San Francisco and Oakland and sort of general Bay Area. So it's a lot more sunnier and a lot more brighter. Um, the main character, um, Marcus, is actually quite likable um he's just a fun like 20 something um kid from oakland um his friends in this hacker group like i totally get what you're saying kev about it because like (laughs) the first the first hour or two i was like i hate all of these people (laughs) i hate them so much (laughs) yeah but you know what like yeah it's like the 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 girl with the the wacky haircut and (laughs) <laughs> the the um autistic um <laughs> hacker genius and the guy who wears a mask that displays emoticons on where the eyes should be and stuff like that and it's just like i was like oh god but i actually ended up really liking them like all really of them. <laughs> oh yeah. Suit, yeah, suits and p- hipsters oh my word what is going I wrong with you <laughs> Do you know what? It kind of reminds me. You ever seen the movie Hackers? Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of the characters in Hackers. I was like, do you know what? I kind of like this. Um, and as the game went along, it's like I just I've just had a ridiculous amount of fun with it. Like, there's been a couple of missions that have been where the storyline's taken a bit of a serious turn and it's gone a little bit dark for like. A, I don't know, you know, one mission thread that's lasted about half an hour or something like that. The rest of the time, it's just been really fun stuff, like um, breaking into uh, the uh, the equivalent of the search the Church of Scientology's headquarters to expose <laughs> them as a as a con, or um, breaking into a movie studio to steal a cut of a trailer so they can recut it in the the, the way that they want it, and then nicking the car from the film, like the Knight Rider style car thing. <laughs> Isn't that what happened with Suicide Squad? It's done a really good job of, like, uh, mirroring stuff that's happened in real life. So, like, <laughs> in one particular mission, it's just it's just like a little side mission, um, there is a character who is blatantly supposed to be Martin Shkreli. So he's, like, a pharmaceutical guy who just upped the price oh, of a particular drug, yeah. and he's going to be paying loads of money to own the only copy of this hip-hop star's new album. 
Uh, and so the mission is you basically con him out of lots of money um, because he thinks he's buying it. He's actually buying the album from you. <laughs> uh, and then there's an, uh, the movie mission is like you break into the studio and you leak the emails of dis- of a very angry movie executive who's complaining about movie stars in his emails just like what happened with sony yeah um yeah it's just like loads of the missions have mirrored stuff that's happened in the real world in the last couple of years uh and it's just it just has like like it's just complete opposite end of the spectrum to watchdogs one it's just it just has fun it doesn't take itself seriously at all apart from a couple of brief moments that you know you kind of get past uh and the rest of the time it's just really really fun it's got the same problem as like any open world game that is not made by Rockstar kind of um, lacks the polish um, and attention to detail. But mm. the only reason that Rockstar games do that is because they will spend years and years and years between each one, um, making sure that everything in that world is perfect. Um, yeah. And also like in the first Watch Dogs game, um, Aiden was a dick and <laughs> kind of grumpy and so like you never really felt it never really felt like felt at odds when he was killing people like um shooting security guards or or um or whatever but because um Marcus in the um in Watch Dogs 2 is like you know he's a young kid and he's like a group of they're just a group of idealistic um elite hackers um it doesn't feel right to go in and start gunning people down like um super bunny hop did a really good video about this and it's like he was saying about like these guys that care so much about them this movie that they like that you will that one of their members is willing to risk his life and gun people down to steal a copy of the of the trailer and whatnot and it's like you don't have to play the game that way um the first mission you're given like the weapon that you will the default weapon that you have all the way through the game which is like a, a short range stun gun um and he's got He's also got like a thing which is like a like a parachute cord, uh, length of parachute cord with like an eight ball at the end, uh, which you can use to like choke guards out at close range. Um, but like at every opportunity, it it tries to to get in the way of playing through non lethally. Like I've tried my hardest to play through non lethally, but like sometimes you can just cause accidents that like, end up with, it's like something explodes and loads of people die. Um and that aspect of it kind of just jars with the you know, the type of character that you're supposed to be playing as and his friends and like they have a three D printer in their in your base where you can go and 3d print assault rifles and sniper rifles and grenade launchers and shotguns. And it's like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> like, um, I just wish Ubisoft's, um, had kind of had the balls to be like, no, uh, you don't have a gun. You've got a stun gun and like a short range, you know, non-lethal melee weapon. That's mm-hmm. it. Make do with it. Um, Whereas it's like, you know, you can print off an entire arsenal full of guns and call in um, gangs to start attacking targets. And um, even if you're like in a, in a chase, like uh, you'll get like a button prompt when the cars or a police cars chasing you or something like that. And you hit square and you realize that you've blown an underground and under road gas pipe uh, and just killed everyone in that car. And it's like, this doesn't, this, this just doesn't sit right. It's like the, you know, the... Um, uh, Ludo narrative dissonance problem that you get with certain games. It's like um, it's really jarring in this. But aside from that, 
It's fucking great. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really enjoying it. And the soundtrack is stonking. Like uh, the stuff on the radios that you can tune in, like the like licensed music. Yeah, meh, it's, it's all right. Uh, but like the actual uh, original soundtrack for it, um, done by a guy whose name is escaping me. What's his name? Hudson Mohawk. Um, DJ from Glasgow uh, did the, the original score for it and it's really really good so even if you're not bothered about playing the game go and check out the soundtrack <laughs> I'm, I'm on the like the final act of the main story uh, there's still more stuff to do um, and it's still got like some of the really cool multiplayer elements that they had in the first one so like uh, you'll be driving around the city and suddenly you'll get an alert saying you're being invaded Um and so another player somewhere is then transported into your world uh, and they will look like another, they'll look like any other NPC and they have to stay, you both have, you're both stuck within a vicinity. Like if you leave it, then you fail and the, the person who's hacking you can't leave it either. And you have to try and work out where they are and stop them. Uh, and so it's down to the person who's hacking to look as natural as possible or just find somewhere to hide in this area. Um, and then you get the opportunity when you're driving around to like hack other people. Um, and it's like seamless co-op, like players will drop in and out of your, uh, of your world. Um, like you won't even get a message. You're just like, I'll just be, I was sat, um, in a car at the side of the road, like figuring out which mission to do next. And then suddenly another player pulled up alongside. I was like, I don't remember this being a online game at all, but mm. it's just like, just seamlessly happens. And um, yeah, I really like it. <laughs> um, I've played a shit ton of it in the, in the last <laughs> week. Uh, I know you didn't get on with it, Kev. And it's like those, those first couple of hours are pretty rough because yeah. those characters are just at first are like, Oh God, I hate everyone. Um, <laughs> But they really grow on you. Uh, like a fungus. Um, yeah, as well yeah. As th- <laughs> like athlete's foot. Yes. As well as that, though, um, when I played it, it was during the first fortnight of its release, and there was no online. There was nobody yeah, online. Yeah, the, the online was screwed for... for yeah, yeah, it would just completely shafted. now. Yeah, mm. what a shocker. A game release broken. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who to thank it, eh? Out of those four, Mark, um, what would be your recommendation for a lapsed gamer? Not Watch Dogs 2. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend Watch Dogs 2. Like, it, it takes a reasonable time commitment, and mm. you know, it's an open world game, and it's like, it's not it's not really something you can play in bite sized chunks. Um, mm. Steep is something you can dip in and out of uh, and play as much or as little as you want. Uh, the same mm. with FIFA, but I'm still going to stick by um, my like my uh, my recommendation my default recommendation for any lapsed gamer is stardew valley it's so good well i'll go next as i have a fairly short list um of ones that i've only been playing a little bit of um so after the uh super bowl last sunday um apple had a sort of a highlight the package of different football games i looked at one and chose blocky football as the one on iOS, um, which is basically kind of crossy road, but with American football. You're <laughs> given the ball, you run up the pitch, and you try and score a touchdown, and then get a field goal. It got uninstalled really quickly. <laughs> um, just like, um, well, actually, probably worse than Crossy Road. It tries to get you to buy um, various characters and things like that, which are basically just skins um, oh, for the character itself. fuck and, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that got... 
um, uninstalled ridiculously quickly. It was basically Crossy Road. Crossy Road is a much better game in itself um, because it reminds me a lot more of Frogger. Um, this was basically an automatic runner going up a pitch and just trying to avoid um, both your teammates and the sort of the defending team running down at you while occasionally collecting little collectibles or um, coins or whatever that came up on the screen. And no, rubbish. Um, the next one that I played was, I was just looking for something sort of like a rhythmic beat-em-up, um, on Steam, so I went with Kickbait, um, which is quite enjoyable, um, has really nice graphics, basically you're using the, um, the face buttons, um, on the joypad, so you're A, B, X and Y, um, at various points and what have you and sort of keeping in with the rhythm of the music. It's enjoyable for what it is, the music's not too bad, some of it is licensed, um, once you get past a certain level, it actually then allows you to import your own music, um, which I've only had a very, very quick go at, but that will be something that I will dip into a little bit more, I think, because playing along to your own tunes would probably be a lot more fun. Do you remember when you used to be able to do that with uh, Vibribbon? Yes. On, was it PS1? Vibribbon? It was PS1, yeah. You used yeah, to you take you out the like, CD and then... Uh, yeah, load the, the game up, take the CD out and else. Yep. Yeah, put in some Aphex Twin and just be like, Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Impossible levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, oh. Kickbeat isn't bad. Um, I like a good rhythm game. Yeah, it's... As a beat 'em up, it's not one finger death punch, but then not a lot of games are. No, no. <laughs> um, <Good. laughs> but in, a, in its own right, it's not bad. Um, they've put a fair amount of work into it. There is one story with the uh, the male character, and then there's another story. Um, once you complete that one, that you get to take on a female character and take them through the story as well with a a good lot of achievements and everything. Unfortunately, most of them, the achievements seem to be geared to either expert or master level. Um, of difficulty and I can't see myself getting anywhere near that <laughs> but I will enjoy playing it for what it is um, I have been doing a little bit of time in Donkey Kong on the nails as part of oh. the LGR Retro Score Challenge um, oh. I, <laughs> I have not been doing very well at it nope. and, nope. um, I, I think Jack is absolutely romping away with it um, I've, managed, I've managed to make it to level 3 three um mm. and i just can't quite figure out how to get past donkey kong on it so i can't see myself doing very well but at least i have a score on the scoreboard no i've maintained radio silence as far as that's concerned because mine is just so <laughs> embarrassing and i'm keeping quiet yeah you were very noticeably quiet right likewise i couldn't get i can't get <laughs> past the second board like, i can't, I can't yeah. get past the second girder <laughs> yeah just yeah it's amazing how much mario's jumping skills have improved oh, definitely yeah <laughs> um i i what are you guys were you both playing it on the wii u i'm playing it on the nez you're actually playing it on the nez the classic mini oh right i'm playing it on a uh, raspberry pi uh, i wish i was playing it on something oh, i'm playing it on the wii u and i wish i was playing it on something that had a bigger d-pad mm. or oh, like ideally like a proper arcade stick but a, a bigger d-pad would be helpful because like you can't really use the arcade that uh, the, the um, analog stick doesn't really work properly um mm. and the d-pad's just a little bit too small um but i i re-watched uh king of kong over the weekend to try and inspire myself to do better um didn't it didn't happen um, <laughs> The NES, the the NES works board. quite well because the 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 NES That's got controller a big is chunky D pad though, isn't it? Yeah. It's got a lovely little pad. You know, it just fits mm. so comfortably, and you forgot how good that pad was. You know, yeah. it's just 
it sits so handsomely in your hand. Um, mm. It's just that my hands now are a lot more weary <laughs> than they <Yeah>. were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got 35 years ago. I don't know. Roughly. Mm. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. If I had the money and the space, though, uh, and neighbours that didn't mind too much, I would definitely have a Donkey Kong Jr. machine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my next game then is actually it's a freebie on itch.io uh, which is called walkie talkie chat you start the game up it looks as if you are going to start typing into a sort of a chat forum and what have you um but you actually press space and it selects the level and it suddenly turns into like a little platformer where you're running across the rules um that have been set out in text um, for the actual chat forum and what have you itself so it's actually like a little uh, 2d platformer it reminds me of um, jumping jack way back in the days of the spectrum 48k i think jumping <laughs> jack was actually one of the first games that came out on it it's very reminiscent of that and uh, for a little freebie it actually took me by surprise because i wasn't even sure what it was going into it um, it's a lot of fun it, there's about 20 levels it'll maybe take you maybe half an hour depending on how many restarts you have i was getting towards the maybe level 18 or 19 and i was starting to um grunt loudly at it (laughs) for for being very annoying um stopping short of actually swearing uh but uh, an enjoyable little game and my last one is um, I recently picked up an Android Fire tablet, um, mostly for hopefully reading some books and comics and things, um, but I couldn't not take advantage of the fact that the uh, Go, Square Enix Go games are all currently free on Amazon Underground. Um, so I've installed um, Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go, and Deus Ex Go, and had a very quick go at Deus Ex, and uh, I'm, it was enjoyable, and I'm definitely going to progress with that how far have you gotten it um it was only maybe the first um two or three levels on it so not very far it was just i was actually just doing a quick test just to see how well oh, right. and things like that so i had a very quick go on desx go and i started up hearthstone as well on it um, which runs a little bit slowly but it's manageable on it um so i think that's going to be my go-to device for playing hearthstone on for the mm. next wee while mm. How good do they look on the um, tablet? Not too bad, actually. Um, For being a little 7-inch, Hearthstone is a little bit um, small. Some of the writing on the cards Mm. and things, if you don't necessarily know Mm. um, what the rules and things on each of the cards is, can be a little bit small. But DSX um, looks fantastic, so it does. Um, There's no issues there with it. Yeah, the the user interface on the uh, Go series though is really clean. Anyway, isn't it, it? Is, yeah. you can you can see it pretty well on a uh, little tiny phone screen. Never mind anything else. Yeah. So. Well, my wife um, is actually starting is working through Lara Croft Go um, on her phone, and she's only got uh, an Am- or a Samsung S six, mm. um, and has been managing absolutely fine with that. So yeah, they are really well designed games mm. um, that scale really well as well, um, either up or down yeah. Um, yeah. via a bigger screen. I've been playing uh, Deus Ex Go on um, uh, S7 Edge, um, and yeah, it looks it looks great on on mm-hmm. that little screen here, yeah. uh, and it still it plays fine as well. So, as for my lapse gamer recommendation, um, I would probably say Deus Ex Go. Despite mm. not having played an awful lot of it, I have played, I've completed Lara Croft Go before they brought out, um, I think, the extra bonus level and what have you. And if Deus Ex Go is anywhere near as polished as that, which I imagine it will be, mm. um, that is definitely going to be a very, very good game. And 
you know, if you have Amazon um, Prime, then it's currently free mm-hmm. um, on on Android devices, um, so it's well worth picking up. And even then, um, I remember, I think I actually bought it um, a while back whenever it was actually on sale on the Play Store, and it was in then probably 10p or 50p or something like that, so it's well mm-hmm. worth uh, watching out for for any um, bargains, what have you, or sales, um, if they have them on. I've played through the entire first um, set of boards uh, on Deus Ex Go, and mm-hmm. I so far it seems to be on a par with Hitman Go. So mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's a high recommendation indeed. Mm. Definitely made it into my yeah. top five. Yep. Mm. So Kev, what have you been playing? <laughs> I've been doing the Lego Dimensions, the Lego Batman uh, level pack, which oh, is nice. absolutely brilliant. I went to see the movie today, and. Um, I'd already started the game on Friday night after work, so it was about two o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> as you'd expect, <laughs> first thing you want to be doing is trying to build Lego sets when you're absolutely shit-faced. It's not a good idea. <laughs> the pack is six stages, all of which are huge, and all follow the plot of the film like a modern jazz follows a tune both hit the points they need to, but they don't necessarily hit what you'd expect. <laughs> was this bought as a separate pack or just one of the sort of the little mini packs? And what it's um, it's a lot bigger. It's a, a proper pack, I would say. It's, okay. it, to it, for it to have its own portal, you know, it's going to be something special. And it is. It's quite a huge pack. I mean, they've been very, very generous this last um, wave or so they've all been pretty solid you know you've had a good few hours out of them but this one there's been a good couple of days out of it and mind a few hours oh, wow um the the levels on them are quite large and there's six chunks to the story you know so it is a proper uh, i would say roughly about four or five hours set you know without actually going back and doing any free running the, the free running the free play <laughs> but yeah there's another couple of mechanics being added um there's phase which is a strange thing where it tears tiny chunks of bits from the other parts of the lego multiverse and drops them into whatever puzzle you're trying to figure out at the time Sometimes it'll be just something random and you're like, what the hell has this got to do with what I'm looking at right now? And you've got to try and figure out why you've got um, a massive candy bar and the cast of Ghostbusters 2016 and you're trying to tackle Lord Voldemort. (laughs) It's bizarre. (laughs) It's quite bizarre. Then there's the detective mode. This is quite a lot of fun. There's three different, well, I think there's only three different. I only saw three different styles of detective mode, but my favourite has to be the heat vision just because it looks exactly like Predator. (laughs) (laughs) So that was quite good fun. Um, And as you'd expect, they've been perfectly realised as they all have been with Dimensions. This is what makes it such a solid playing experience. Mm. Um, there's also a fun weapon that's been added that's in the ge- in the game and the film, um, which is the merch gun. <laughs> it's completely useless, but in the film it's used to fire Batman merch at orphans. And <laughs> you can use it against enemies if you want, but it'll actually not 
do anything to them other than give them a new wardrobe. Yeah, of course. I've got 97% uh, and dimensions itself, but only 91% completely overall. And if you're looking at gold bricks, I'm way behind. I've only got 203 out of 1,068 now. Good grief. I know, it just gets bigger <laughs> and bigger. It's becoming more daunting by the day. Um <laughs> I've still got to get the Ghostbusters pack and the um, new J.K. Rowling thing, Sensible Beasts or something. I don't know. Um, Imaginary Wizards. Mm. Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts, yeah. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Imaginary Wizards. (laughs) You can get a Lego Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's something to look forward to. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I've now, all up- of these bigger all of these bigger packs retail for about what thirty pounds or so. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. They usually are about the thirty three pound mark. Um, Smith's mm. Toys are ones to watch as well because they do really well as far as Lego deals is concerned. Mm. So I'm keeping my eye out for the other two big ones. Surprisingly, you didn't mention any of this buying during the backlogathon update. Can yeah. You? Ah, well, these aren't actually games, are they? These are just... (laughs) Where's Andy? (laughs) Loophole. Loophole. I'm all for riding the loopholes. (laughs) Shame. Ah, Well, I don't care so much because I've already bought all my switches. Uh, I would ask you what your Laps Gamer recommendation is, Kev, but I think it's fairly obvious what it's going to be. (laughs) Well, if you don't want to invest the money, then um, I would definitely go for LetterQuest Remastered because it is such a great fun little game. Even if you didn't get it free on PS Plus, um, it's pence. It's always on offer in the PSN store because it's an indie game anyway. Yeah, and it's up on Steam as well. So yeah, so I yeah, have a, I have yeah. a wish list just because you've been talking about it, and it does look very, very good. It's a great little game. There's some really good challenging modes to it. You know, where you've got to basically take down your opponent with using six letters or more. Um, you know, or you've got to kill him with three letters each. You know, and it, it, there are further shifting the goals, so it does make it quite an interesting, challenging game. So we'll move on to the news then this week. Uh, Our first news story is that E3 is being open to the public this year. The Entertainment Software Association has announced that via GameSpot that E3 2017 will be open to the public, where in recent years it has been limited to industry and media professionals. Um, Starting today, which is Monday, February 13th, the ESA will begin selling 15,000 general access tickets for the trade show. The tickets are going on sale at $150 on the 13th, but the price will rise to $250 before that. I would dare say an awful lot of those 15000 are going to be snapped up at that $150 um, rate, so it is. Um, passes will get attendees onto the show floor with all the booths, game demos, etc., um, as well as some panel discussions and something or other involving Jeff Keighley, referred to vaguely as special benefits associated with Keighley's own E3 programming, such as developer interviews and more. Um, it's an interesting way of doing it, but I can just imagine the chaos of having 15,000 general public access people um, wandering um, around the floors. The demo lines are going to be absolutely huge. 
Well, like uh, I was listening to the guys of uh, Giant Bomb East on the Giant Beast casts um, talking about this um, the other day, and um, there are on an average year eighty three between fifty and sixty thousand uh, members of gaming well people there like members of the gaming press and other people who managed to get in uh youtubers uh people you know involved in games media in some way um so fifteen thousand on top of that fifty to sixty thousand is not a huge increase to be honest um what is gonna be a thing is like it's kind of e3's changed a little bit over the years but it's still technically a trade show mm-hmm. uh so it's not really it's not like a pax or a euro gamer or something like that it's not really geared towards the public um and the esa themselves can't do a huge amount to change that um because it's down to the, the you know the developers and the publishers yeah. how they decide to set out their booths and like as we've seen in recent years nintendo don't bother with it anymore ea don't bother with it anymore activision don't bother um so there's like big things missing from um uh, from the show floor uh the the main stuff that people associate with the three the public won't be able to get into either they won't be able to get into the press conferences um they won't be able to get into the private you know behind closed doors viewings or and uh, demos of games because mm-hmm. those will be open only to members of the gaming press who have appointments uh and even like the games on the show floor unless you've got an appointment you're going to be queuing up for hours and hours to play a game for 10 minutes e3 live seemed like a kind of interesting little thing but that was like separate it was like a mini almost like a mini euro gamer styles thing off to the side of e3 in its own separate little venue elsewhere in the convention center um this just seems like i think there's going to be a lot of very disappointed people um mm. who will be paying 150 to 250 dollars to go along um and be stuck with you know 60 thousand other people uh you know trying to queue up to play um a handful of games yeah. well the easy way to combat this would surely be to get a bigger center that they actually stage it at you know something the size of utah <laughs> uh, yeah um, well yeah the la convention center is a big venue uh and, and it's like it's not going to make too much of a difference in terms of like the sheer numbers of people there mm. uh, because it's spread out quite a bit um like you you, you always hear stories from, from journalists who go to e3 when they actually have to go between different appointments it involves quite a lot of walking um over quite a large distance very quickly to get from one appointment to the other so it'll be spread Mm -hmm. out it won't feel too much more crowded than it is already these gaming journalists their idea of a a long distance walking is four and a half yards (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well yeah also for people traveling from the uk it will be a fairly expensive trip as well oh yes Um, i've seen a couple of people sort of vaguely pricing it up and they are literally talking about you know over a thousand pounds with their tickets hotel and flights included um, so that that is not a cheap trip for a week. It's not worth it. It's really not worth. Like it's, yeah. if if you live in Europe and you really want to go to a big gaming convention, just go to Gamescom. Yeah, because it's a hell of a lot cheaper to go to Germany than it is to LA. <laughs> Definitely. Right, it's time to cue up the sad music because unfortunately, uh. word has been um, we've had word that South Park Fractured But Whole has been delayed <laughs> again. Again, <laughs> yeah. give me a minute. It's okay, Kev. It's okay. 
<laughs> when did it? When was it supposed to originally come out? About 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll quickly sort of skim through the uh, the article that we've got. So it's been delayed for a second time now. Publisher Ubisoft have announced uh, the foul-mouthed role-playing game based on the long-running animated series will now be released in Ubisoft's upcoming fiscal year, which runs from April 2017 through March 2018. Mm. Um, so back at E3 2016, Ubisoft slated the Fractured But Whole um, for a December 6th um, debut. The company announced three months later that it decided to push the game back until the first quarter of 2017. Um, so yeah, the development team want to make sure that the game experience meets the high expectations of fans and the additional time will help them achieve this goal. Um, mm. This has also then had a knock-on effect for the sales forecast for Ubisoft. Um, so they have rev- revised their sales forecast for the current fiscal year, um, which ends on March 31st. Uh, the new range, which reflects the fact that the Fractured Butthole won't be releasing until or in the 2016-17 fiscal year, um, mm. runs from $1.61 billion to $1.67 billion, um, which is a drop of about $155 million on the low end and potentially mm. €175 million Euros, um, on the high end. Um, of course, you know, there is a little bit of legacy here with the, um, Stick of Truth also suffering a number of, um, previous delays. Mm. It was originally scheduled to launch in the second half of 2012, but then publisher THQ pushed it back to 2013. And then it was delayed again, um, later in 2013. And it was eventually, um, released on March 2014. Um, so yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of, uh, sort of a running theme here with South Park games. Could this be the first Ubisoft game then to be released that's actually not broken for the last 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> Put it this way, Kev, if it releases towards the end of 2017, that will give you plenty of time for playing Persona 5. True. Yeah. And, and it gives me plenty of time to work on my coon suit too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time to buy more Lego Dimensions hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, the next bit of news is the fact that Steam are dropping green light um, they are Basically, Valve um, had a previous system called Greenlight, which was a submission system for um, sort of smaller developers and what have you that didn't necessarily have a publisher um, behind them that got on well with Valve. Um, There was approximately sort of a £100 fee that they had to pay to actually get on Greenlight, but they could release as many games, um, well, through it, and it was put up to a public vote um, to basically say whether or not they would um, buy the game um, after sort of seeing trailers and things like that. Uh, as a system, it was maybe a little bit flawed um, because developers could game uh, the system a little bit by offering rewards and things for votes, and uh, it was very occasional that, or well, uh, very likely that worthy products could easily get um, lost amongst the sort of slew of very iffy games. Um, so, whether or not the new Steam Direct, um, which is to replace Greenlight, will actually be any better is still yet to be seen. Um, basically, to get on Steam Direct, developers will need to complete a set of digital paperwork, um, personal or company verification, and tax documents similar to the process of apply- applying for a bank account. Uh, then they'll pay an application fee for each game. Now, this is intended to decrease the noise um, in the submission pipeline, um, which is basically a polite way of saying that it will hopefully make people think twice before submitting a low-quality game. Um, Steam Direct is... Uh, supposed to launch in spring 2017 and but the application fee hasn't been decided 
Um, it could be, it could stay at the sort of hundred dollars per project, but there could be a possibility that it could go all the way up to five thousand um, dollars for each project being submitted. That is going to put off an awful lot of smaller indie developers um, if they're going to be charging five thousand dollars, because that is basically looking at um, a couple of months' work um, for a staff member or whatever, um, potentially. Um, for actual programming things like that so I it'll be there's a lot more details still to be released and I think even Valve themselves aren't entirely sure um, there has been a couple of articles saying that you know developers are very happy with this new system and what have you but there's been other articles saying that uh, they're not happy um, but there's definitely not a consensus um, about whether or not this is a good thing until further details appear. Steam Greenlight's got a bit of a reputation really um, for being full of garbage. To an extent, yeah. Um, but there are an awful lot of good games in there, and there mm. has been quite a few games that have been released um, via, I think it's over 100 games, have broken like a million dollar sales. Yeah. Oh no, like there's definitely like a lot of good stuff in there, but like oh, yeah. horrible asset flipping games, and games where people buy like um, texture packs for oh, Unity, yeah. and just pump out utter shit, and, yeah. and charge money for it. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of that nasty stuff on there. So, it's something that needed addressing for quite a while. Um, I just don't really know too much about Steam Direct to know whether or not it's going to be the good idea. Yeah, there just hasn't been enough details released as yet um, about what Steam mm. Direct is, and again, whether or not or how each game is going to be tested um, before being released onto the Steam platform um, is another question. Of course, a lot of a lot of people have basically said that you know, well, through this um, this new system and what have you, if people pay the money and they get through whatever tests, um, you know that are being applied to it basically to make sure that the software isn't malware or anything like that or you know has secret backdoors or anything like that um and is vaguely playable um they're worried about the quality um that will uh, could eventually come onto steam but by the same respect there's an awful lot of rubbish on steam and if you compare it to something like spotify you know having an awful lot of something on a platform isn't necessarily a bad thing no. there will be Everything will find itself its own audience. If it doesn't find an audience, it sinks without a trace, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a problem that kind of exists on, like, um, not so much on the iOS store because that is curated to a certain extent, but like the Google Play Store and things like that. It's like uh, good games on Steam Greenlight, ex- like, they survive only really on the basis of good word of mouth. Yeah. Um, there's no like Valve themselves don't seem to do anything to promote good games on the green light system themselves. No, um, it was interesting to see that as soon as the this news actually hit and what have you, um, HIO basically turned around and said, "We're free. Come and put your game on our system," <laughs> <laughs> which I can see an awful lot of indie developers um, going that way um, based on sort of fees and things. Yes, okay, Steam is maybe a more obvious. Um, platform for PC, but I think Itch is definitely getting itself a reputation as being a place to find interesting um, games, particularly games that you know are maybe the sort of the fledging fledging projects of particular devs and what have you who might go on to something more impressive. Hmm. And uh, but it's somewhere that they can test out the waters, and uh, there are plenty of free games on Itch as well. And uh, I'd be very concerned that the Steam Direct might put off. 
an awful lot of um, developers won't have you from re- releasing, even thinking about releasing free games, mm. um, if they're already going to be having to pay, char- or be paid or charge um, a f- charge the fee up front, and you actually get it all. So I'm I'm really hoping that we don't necessarily then miss out on things like Doctor Landiskov, um, or Princess Re- uh, Princess Remedy in a World of Hurt and uh, other similar games. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to address an issue, but they're not necessarily. They're obviously addressing it for the benefit of themselves. Yeah. Um, mm. Financially, you know, it mm. kind of does make sense. And, have you. and okay, yes, a financial barrier might stop a lot of rubbish getting put on, but then there will be people who just have that sort of money um, to go ahead with putting yeah. their crap on it anyway. It does seem mm. like it's a, a more of a knee-jerk reaction rather than something that's been carefully thought out. You know, the, the, well, rather than curate it, they're just trying to outline uh, uh, some kind of crazy ban. I yeah. wonder if um, this is going to be another situation like when they announced that they were going to start charging for mods. Um, yeah. You know, in collaboration with uh, Bethesda, I think it was. Yeah. They were going to start charging for mods. Um, and there was quite violent backlash against that. And they were like, oh, okay, we won't do that then. <laughs> um, yeah, that basically lasted a week. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there could be a similar situation with that where people are like saying, like, why should we have to pay to be able to put our game on the storefront when there is no, you know, there 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 is obviously no evidence that, that Valve themselves uh, will curate that at all or, or yeah. help promote it. So like you're so I would you'd be paying to put your game on this system uh, and then just hoping that people will find it, play it, like it, and talk about it. Uh, yeah. Otherwise it's just money down the drain because there are so many games on Steam that it'd be so easy to just completely like pay your money, put your game on the system, and just get lost. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Mm. If anything, you know, the the way I usually find games on Steam is go on every Monday onto the Steam sale, and and you know there, I think there's what five hundred and something games on sale this week, and mm. basically sort by lowest price and see which ones are coming <laughs> on under a pound. <laughs> You know, so unless you're sort of hitting that um, sort of price point or what have you, that's very easy for your game to get completely lost. Mm-hmm. And even then, depending on how the reviews go, you know, you could find that your game is good, but the people giving it reviews um, aren't being very kind to it for whatever reason. Yeah. And they've suddenly decided that they just don't like it, and uh, that'll completely downvote it, and it'll just be then lost in a, a mediocre muddle somewhere in mm-hmm. the middle, or it'll just be completely written off. And it'll just be money and time down the drain. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see where it goes. Our last news item then is that Nintendo have kind of committed to supporting the 3DS until at least 2018. Mm. Um, So with all of the hype surrounding the Switch um, launch, we can forget about, or we can't forget about uh, Nintendo's handheld, handheld juggernaut, the 3DS. Uh, the system already has a full library of games that you can play. It's even more titles than the Wii U will ever have, which is a little <laughs> bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, but with the Switch being the big ends handheld console hybrid, though, uh, the fate of the 3DS is uncertain. In a recent interview with The Telegraph's Shinya Takahashi, uh, the general manager of Nintendo Entertainment Planning and Development, was asked about the continued support for the 3DS after the launch of the Switch. Takahashi claims that the support for the 3DS will continue... Um, Basically, he believes that the handheld can be a first great system for kids, 
and with that in mind he confirms that they are thinking of releasing more games for the 3DS not only in 2017 but in 2018 as well. This is something that got mentioned on um, a recent episode of the Giant Bombcast they were talking about this as well and um, this situation with what, what what's going to happen with the 3DS now that Switch is coming out mm. uh, and they were saying that like you remember when the, the DS the Nintendo DS came out um, when, when it first came out and people were a little bit like what is this what's you know it's a bit weird it's got two screens um and you know it's coming off not that long after they the nintendo would release the sp version of the game boy advance yeah. uh and apparently nintendo was saying like in the early days of the ds that they are going that they would be also be releasing another game boy and then until the ds became a sales juggernaut and then they just completely abandoned that and i can see if the switch does become a big hit then nintendo could just say now we're done with the 3ds now <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> very easily but if it's not then they can continue supporting the 3ds you know it's kind of like in, <laughs> it's like insurance <laughs> yeah they're hedging the bets yeah the question would be if the switch doesn't succeed and they do continue support for the 3ds until 2018 by then the 3ds is starting to look quite old okay mm-hmm. i know there is the new 3ds and what have you mm-hmm. but in reality, that was just a little bit of a hardware bump, um, not a massive step forward. So no. what then would be the fate of the Nintendo handheld? If the Switch fails... Um, <laughs> what would be the fate of Nintendo, maybe? Well, Nintendo, I think like people are saying, like, oh, you know, if the Switch fails, then maybe that's it. Maybe Nintendo will just get out of the, 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 the hardware business completely. It's like, I, I don't think Nintendo will ever get out of the hardware business, but mm. they may abandon home consoles and just concentrate on handhelds. Pachinko! Um, yeah, pachinko. <laughs> it's like the, the market for handhelds has shrunk quite massively since smartphones became prevalent. And yeah. it's like, we will never see handheld systems sell in the same sort of numbers as the... Um, the original DS did, yep. uh, but because I think that's the, the biggest selling handheld system ever. Mm-hmm. The 3DS has done well considering that mm-hmm. that market's kind of shrunk. It's, they're still sitting in about uh, 65, 66 million units sold, um, which is something that one of their home consoles has not done in quite a while now. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that despite the fact that. Uh, people, more people are playing games on their phones rather than handheld system. The handheld market is still so massive uh, in Japan and quite a lot of um, the Far East. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know, not even counting Europe and, and America. That if the Switch doesn't sell as well as they hope it does, uh, I can see them just making another handheld system. Yeah, which would just sell fantastically well in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. I think an awful lot of the sort of handheld sales and whatever you do basically come down to the culture. Um, particularly in places like Japan, just where there is um, just so much public transport, as opposed to people necessarily using cars. You know, mm. really, once you start getting outside of London, the public transport systems for um, any of the sort of major cities aren't anywhere near as good. <laughs> so they're Appalling. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so just an awful lot of people do use cars in the UK. Um, so just don't have that extra commuting time that would, you know, the benefits having a handheld. Yeah, like like Kev was saying, Nintendo kind of hedging their bets uh, by stating that they will continue to support the 3DS, 
Um, although it's, it seems a bit weird them actually coming out and saying that they're going to commit to supporting the 3DS until uh, at least 2018, only a few weeks before their new big system launches, which is supposed to be a handheld on a home console in one. You'd think they'd be saying that, like, you know, don't worry about the 3DS, get yourself a Switch. Um, <laughs> or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't mind about that because there's probably or pretty much every uh, allocated system has now been pre-ordered already. Ah, um, no. Speaking of which. Um, they've started popping up again for pre-order. I did see something about like the pre-orders becoming available again, and I, I wonder if I wonder if Nintendo have learnt um, from <laughs> <Doubt> previous, <it. laughs> and they've seen the how many uh, have been pre-ordered and thought, you know, we could probably make a few more of them and th- those and sell those as well. That's say, Jesus Christ, guys, we've sold all five of them. Yeah, <laughs> Kev's got four of those five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as ever, we are still running our free game giveaway. We will have a link in the show notes. Please go and get yourself a free game. Please. <laughs> Otherwise, we will actually just start handing them out to people who reply to our tweets or anything like that. You will get a free game whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, as for where to find us, um, you can find all the LGR shows at our Podbean uh, website, which is lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. If you're enjoying our content, please subscribe to Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes. All reviews are most welcome and appreciated in order to allow our little community to thrive. And as always, you can chat with us on social media. On Twitter, we are at LapsGamer. And on Facebook, we are facebook.com forward slash LapsedGamer. Um, or if you want to get in touch with us with a slightly more old school method, you can send us an email at LapsGamerRadio at gmail.com. Uh, you can also v- go and read our written words, um, which are on our blog at LapsGamer.com. We are hoping to expand that a little bit more and... Um, we will hopefully well we have a review up um, from one that I did um, but we've had a couple of ideas in the pipeline and I know certainly um, Adam and yourself Mark are keen um, to start writing a little bit more um, for that so hopefully we'll have a little bit more content going up so thank you very much for listening and we will just take this opportunity to say goodbye hasta luego con banois